0: I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. The leader of them, no good Jennings boys, is sick. I hope he gets better so I can defeat my enemies at full strength. It's high noon for Friday, October 2nd, 2020. And the president is sick. Or at least he tested positive for COVID. And everybody is crazy today I'm not crazy and you're not crazy because we're not worried about the president having tested positive for COVID uh but that doesn't stop media figures and celebrities and even people who are running for political office from wishing death on the president and the first lady There was a time in America where that would be looked at as classless and tasteless and evil and immoral and pathetic and unpatriotic and uncivilized. But not anymore. Now it means that you are so good at saving humanity from the internet that you can wish death on the leader of your own country. And it's funny that they can do that in a state that they believe is authoritarian. I don't believe that Donald Trump and the administration and that our federal government are going to try to track down the people saying this and punish them. Of course they won't. I don't imagine that Twitter or Instagram are going to shut down these people's capacity to say these things. Of course they won't. They're not concerned about that. They're concerned about people bringing up legitimate complaints over voter fraud, legitimate complaints about government's handling of the coronavirus, And skepticism as to the seriousness of the disease and the complete imbalance between our response in mitigating the disease to our preservation of freedom and people's ability to live their lives and work. Can't talk about those things, but we can call for the president's death on Twitter. Great society we're building. Thank you, celebrities. Thank you, tech icons. It's so pathetic. I mean, I don't even know how they think this is going to benefit them. They're exposing themselves as the spineless, immoral, evil people that they are. And at the same time, there is nearly 100% likelihood That Donald Trump will be just fine. Why? Well. He gets tested constantly. He uses hydroxychloroquine. Which. What happens if that works guys? What happens if that works? Then all those deaths. That potentially could have been prevented. By not demeaning the use of hydroxychloroquine, not censoring videos where actual doctors, actual clinicians are talking about how they've been successful treating patients with hydroxychloroquine. The media making it like toxic waste just because Trump is the one who's recommended it. Those deaths could potentially have been prevented if they were acting responsibly about communicating what the science was. Of course, they didn't do that. They said the science showed that it could be very dangerous and kill people. Does science show that? No, it does not. They said it has no efficacy. Does science show that? Well, a study did. Should we trust that study over the clinicians? I have long argued that we should not. There will be a press release in the coming days, I imagine, that will say Donald Trump is recovering just fine and has been on a regimen of hydroxychloroquine and zinc. And what happens when that happens? These people are publicizing this all hopeful that they think that this is going to help their election chances. It does not. In fact, Donald Trump dying wouldn't even help their election chances because then people wouldn't have to be mad about Donald Trump. And they would just vote Mike Pence in in a landslide because Joe Biden is a soulless cypher with no ideology who is consistently knocking on death's door. Not that I hope he dies. I don't hope that he dies. I hope he lives a long and healthy life. I want Donald Trump to beat Joe Biden in a battle of ideas and a battle for the soul of America. I don't want him to beat Joe Biden because Joe Biden dies. In fact, if Joe Biden wins, I hope he lives forever because I do not want President Kamala Harris. But the idea that your political goals are best advanced through the death of a president is real pathetic. And again, this is just another measure of how insecure they are about their position. People who believe that they are winning do not act like this. And it's gross. Anyway, I don't want to spend all day on that. I'm sure that you can turn on CNN and all they will be talking about all day is how Donald Trump should have never made fun of masks. Yes, he should have. I'm going to continue to. And if I get COVID, it damn sure ain't going to be for that. Okay. The people that are around Donald Trump regularly get tested regularly. The fact that the virus got to them. Doesn't mean that their mitigation steps were not good enough. It means that the virus spreads easily. And that no mitigation steps are good enough. The idea that Donald Trump and Melania Trump and Hope Hicks would not have gotten COVID if they had just been more committed to wearing masks is already fundamentally flawed because the efficacy of masks is not only not proven, The opposite is true. Mask mandates have not slowed any country or city or region's spread anywhere. There isn't one curve that you can look at that shows mask mandates having a positive effect on the spread of the virus. And of course they don't. And that's why, for the decades that they were studied, Prior to this, no one ever believed that they would work in mitigating the spread of a viral pandemic. And it's funny because Joe Biden did a television interview yesterday with a local reporter in Pittsburgh who asked him if he would um, answer the question about whether or not he intended to pack the court and the filibuster and the Electoral College, those kinds of things. And Joe Biden once again said, I'm not going to answer that because whatever I answer will be the story. Yes, you're correct, Joe. But in that interview, Joe Biden's mask in the 45 second clip fell below his nose two or three times and he kept fiddling with it with his hand. It was quite clear that it wasn't fitting snugly on his face, which, by the way, is the only case where they actually think masks might have efficacy and that's with n95 masks that fit perfectly also n95 masks do not fit perfectly if you simply have a beard that's how perfect they have to fit for them to be effective And, of course, Joe Biden wasn't wearing those. He was wearing his bane mask, this massive black thing that he always wears. And, uh, yeah, it fell off his nose a bunch of times. But even with his answer, and I I was thinking about this yesterday in the afternoon, so I'm just going to mention it. I know I've already talked about this before. But my expectation is the next debate is October 15th. Amy Coney Barrett's hearing in the Senate Judiciary Committee will begin october 12th and then they will wrap it up with whatever speed they need to now the democrats are trying not to have a hearing at all because of covid which makes no sense because they could just do it remotely as they have done with many other hearings throughout the last six months but if they do that republicans will just push ahead with the vote as they should and then she will just be in the supreme court and i imagine that joe biden at that point, and so if if she's confirmed before that debate on the 15th, I imagine he will use that debate to say that we should pack the Supreme Court because by executing their constitutional duties, the president and the Senate have uh, both done something terrible, which will justify packing the court. And if it doesn't happen by then, you can expect that on the 22nd. And the funniest thing is that once Joe Biden admits that he will pack the court, that will be to drive voter turnout from similarly authoritarian Democrats. They're going to try to have that drive them to the polls because they need to retake the Supreme court. And the funniest part is that when Joe Biden says that to drive voting, he'll be lying. Okay. So the far left wants the court packed. The woke left wants the court pact. People who are really in power likely know what that would actually do to the system and won't do it. But they'll have no problem lying about it to increase turnout. Which let's see if I'm right. But if I am, that's going to be despicable. So I told you I was going to watch the uh, Comey testimony. I did do that. I took a lot of time with it uh, yesterday in the afternoon and into the evening um, because I wanted to take it slow. And I was also posting clips that I thought were important. Now, if you go to the uh, I have a thread of all of them on my Twitter. And then I posted them in my feed on Instagram at I'm your moderator. So you can go watch full clips of the testimony. And so I only posted the Republicans questioning James Comey because I thought that was the most relevant. That's where we're actually getting the story of what happened. And again, this is if not the most important political crime in American history, it is at least the most important one in the hundred year history of the FBI, which many of the senators did mention you can see Comey evading questions, saying that he doesn't recall very important events, and being caught in lies, saying that he do- that briefings he had about intelligence that suggested the Hillary Clinton campaign was coordinating the Russia hoax that he doesn't remember being briefed on those. He said it doesn't ring a bell. Watch the videos. See who you believe. See if James Comey sounds like an honest person who is trying to help people get to the truth or whether he's a traitorous liar who is trying to cover his own ass by using the legal mechanisms that our country thankfully allows. And now he might not have perjured himself, although I think he probably did. And he might have sat there and answered the questions. But what he essentially did was plead the fifth. And so that's unfortunate, but it just means the case needs to be made better. But you'll watch these clips and realize very quickly that there is no excuse for the media not covering this and covering it extensively. This crime is far, far bigger than Watergate. It has far more malicious actors involved, including Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, John Brennan, Sally Yates, Susan Rice, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. This is the CIA and the FBI using their intelligence apparatus to spy on the campaign of a man running for president and people in and around his campaign who were private citizens and then doing the same to Donald Trump's incoming national security advisor, Michael Flynn, in an attempt to undermine Donald Trump's presidency and the foreign policy that he wished to implement As president of the United States, who was duly elected, that is not a peaceful transfer of power. That is not a peaceful transition of power. This happened during the transition. The situation is not in doubt. The only matter is whether or not they will be able to conclusively prove a case And show it to the American public because the media will not do it. And that, like many other things the media has been involved with the past five years, is a crime against America. It is a crime against society. It is a crime against thinking people who care about truth and honesty. All of this is disgusting. I really, really hope you guys will watch at least those clips if not the whole thing. And by the way, do yourselves a favor and watch the Democrats question James Comey. Cory Booker spent his time questioning the former director of the FBI who is legitimately involved in one of the greatest crimes in American history. Cory Booker spent his time asking what his opinions were about Donald Trump's Stand back and stand by answer in the debate. And let me just touch on that for a second, because I was doing a lot of thinking about this yesterday as well. Please read the debate transcripts. I found a really easy to read one on uh, USA Today yesterday. You can just Google USA Today Trump Biden debate transcript. Right. And then just use your computer's little find thing. It's like command F if you're on a Mac. And I have no idea what it is if you're not on a Mac and just type in the words, just type in the words stand and go down and search to the section and you'll see that Chris Wallace asked Donald Trump if he would tell these people to stand down, stand down. That's the exact wording that Chris Wallace used. Okay, and Donald Trump said, sure, sure, sure. And then they started demanding a specific statement. And Donald Trump was like, yeah, who do you want me to denounce? And Joe Biden goes, the Proud Boys. And he goes, okay, Proud Boys, stand back and stand by, right? I think we can all agree that is exactly what happened. The transcripts and the video will both show that that's exactly what happened. And so the question becomes whether or not Donald Trump believed that he was answering in the affirmative to what they were asking. And I am completely convinced that he believed he was. And not only did he do that, he used the group Joe Biden mentioned. okay, And what he remembered of the exact phrase that Chris Wallace used. So Chris Wallace said, stand down. And Trump said, stand back and stand by. Do you think it's more likely that Donald Trump was using coded messages to a group he knows nothing about? Or was it more likely that he was taking the thing Joe said and the thing Chris Wallace said 20 seconds ago amidst a bunch of crosstalk while they were both targeting their anger and excitement toward him. That he used their words trying to remember Chris Wallace's phrase and took two cracks at it, both of them wrong. And that now we have just revised that into a carefully worded secret message to white supremacists who aren't even white supremacists. This is how stupid this is. And the truth is that no one who is complaining about this can honestly say that they believe otherwise. Okay. What they are doing is finding a phrase, taking it out of the context that they know is true. And then using it to not only confirm their prior biases, but then to smear everyone else who doesn't agree with them as racist or condoning racism or somehow defending racism. These people are sick. Okay. It's crazy. It's immoral. It's factually wrong. They are appealing to an emotional memory. And it's not even their emotional memory because I can guarantee you That 95 plus percent of the people getting mad about this did not notice it when the debate was actually happening. They did not notice it in real time. No, who else didn't? Chris Wallace and Joe Biden, or else they should have called him out right then and there. But of course they didn't because they also accepted what he said as answering in the affirmative. If they didn't believe that he did that, why did they move on? This is how conversations work. This is how people's brains work. People's brains do not work by hearing Chris Wallace say, stand down, and Joe Biden say, proud boys. And Trump thinking miraculously, oh my goodness, I've been waiting to deliver this secret message and all of a sudden I have the opportunity based on the thing that Chris Wallace said and the thing that Joe Biden said, hallelujah. What a revelation. This is an epiphany. This is the moment I've been waiting my entire life for. Does anyone believe that that is what happened? There is no reason that Donald Trump should know about the Proud Boys. Because the Proud Boys are not a threat. It doesn't matter that the Southern Poverty Law Center calls them a a hate group. Or that the Anti-Defamation League does. These groups call everyone hate groups. The Southern Poverty Law Center, by the way, look it up. Their founder, Morris Dees, is an incredibly corrupt person. The Southern Poverty Law Center is basically just a program that lines Morris Dees' pockets while he goes around labeling people hate groups. And I don't believe he's any longer involved with them. But the organization is just as awful and corrupt as it has always been. They labeled Majid Nawaz. An anti-Islamic extremist. Majid Nawaz. Leads an organization called Quilliam. That whose sole goal is to de-radicalize Islamic extremists. He is doing incredible work for the world. He is a brilliant man who seems like a very good person. Obviously, I don't know him. But one thing he's not is an anti-Islamic extremist because he used to be an Islamic radical. That's why he's trying to pull people out of that lifestyle and ideology. This is like a former gang member trying to get people to leave their gangs. And he is called an anti-Islamic extremist by the Southern Poverty Law Center. He sued them. The Southern Poverty Law Center was forced to pay him $3.375 million dollars and apologize to him. But until that settlement. Majid was basically labeled for a fatwa. My point here is this. The Southern Poverty Law Center should not be trusted for anything at all. The fact that our media cites them. Is a goddamn shame. The media does that because they know that they have already branded the Southern Poverty Law Center as a good organization. I mean, hell, it says it in their name, right? Southern means black, doesn't it? Poverty means poor black. Law Center means that they are defending poor black people. And that's how they're portrayed. So they can't be bad. And the media uses that branding to make their point of view relevant. The Proud Boys in Utah yesterday, a group of Proud Boys, went and met with Black Lives Matter leaders. They've also traveled with them to Portland. They're working on partnerships. Does that sound like a violent extremist group to you? Does that sound like a white supremacist group to you? Their members aren't even all white. Trump condemned all of this again last night in a phone interview with Sean Hannity. And he said specifically, I've done this a thousand times, but it's never enough for these people. It's never enough. And of course it's never enough because they're not trying to get to the heart of Donald Trump's beliefs. They are trying to to use the same narratives over again to hurt a political opponent. And it is disgusting. They advertised for the proud boys and they continue as they always do to drive racial resentment and division. And it's disgusting. So I just, uh, before I recorded this, sorry, I knew it was late today, but I just recorded with California state Senator Melissa Melendez and that interview was fantastic. Uh, got a lot of questions in that I know you guys will want answered. So that interview is going to come out tomorrow morning. I will set it for 6 a.m. so that it'll be there when you guys wake up. If you like that kind of thing. And uh, looking forward to locking in a date and time to go on John Wood Jr.'s podcast next week. If you're not familiar with him, take a look. And uh, I guess that's it, guys. Follow the uh, social media at I'mYourModerator on Instagram and Twitter. I'mYourModerator.Substack.com if you want to support the show. And, uh, guys, you can always get in touch with me if you want to hear me talk about subjects, maybe Q&A or something like that. Um, But that's it. I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Listen to Hope's Fall.